This is Carolyn Holly. Welcome to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. For the next half hour, you're going to be encouraged and challenged by Skip and his guests as they discuss the game plan for life. In sports, as in life, it's important to have a game plan. And as Skip says, no game plan, no victory. Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Dutch Bros of Boise, an experience guaranteed to satisfy. Therapeutic Associates Physical Therapy, your partner in health. Bacon, you gotta love it. And Summer's Funeral Home, every life leaves a legacy. The Eagle and North End 76 stations and on-the-fly service station on Collister and State. McDowell Specialty Repair. Susie Boyle Mortgage Team and Castle and Cook Mortgage LLC. Stop by their new location at 512 North 13th Street in Boise, online at sboyle.castlecookmortgage.com. And now, here's your host for Game Plan for Life, Skip Hall. Welcome to Game Plan for Life. This is your host, Skip Hall. Well, our guest today is a regular. His name is Mark Thornton. We've had Mark on several times. Uh, he does an exceptional uh, thing in the community, not thing, things in the community. And uh, we're going to talk about some of that today. We're going we're gonna to hit on, uh, uh, on racism today, too, as we get into the program a little bit later. But welcome, Mark. The Game Plan for Life. Thanks for having me, Coach. Well, Appreciate it's, it. It's always a pleasure and always some great words and thoughts uh, from you. And Well, tell, talk to us a little bit, Mark, about your role, role as a chaplain with the Boise State football team. Well, so it's uh, it's been, a, like I said, a privilege and an honor to be able to go out and serve you know, these young men and to actually serve the program. I've been doing chapel in some capacity since 2010, and then over the last three to four years, I've kind of been uh, the main guy that's been there. But I kind of look at it as a as a life coach. Right. Like, I'm not out calling plays, no, even though no, I no, think no. I could call some plays. You know, I could coach a little sure, D-line, maybe, but, but we got some good guys. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just to be able to encourage these young men in their faith uh, to show, you know, I show up and I'm available for them. And yeah. that's really big because they got the pressures of school. They got the pressures yeah. of the game. They got all these things that they want to accomplish. And so I, I, I hope that I help ground them um, so that they can be who they profess to be. So if yes. they say that they're believers, if they say that they're Christians, there's that voice, you know, that's mm-hmm. always there saying, hey, okay, this is who you profess to be. So now yeah. I want your actions to qualify the words that are coming out of your mouth. And they're yeah. they're youngsters at the end of the day, you know, where we're, we've been around for a while. We've, right. we've read a lot of Bible, heard a lot of stories, seen right. a lot of things, but they're, you know, they're really kids, even though they're young men, they're kids. So the opportunity to be able to encourage them and pour into their life and, you know, teach them things that I hope will be things that they're teaching their kids and their kids are teaching their grandkids. It's, exactly. it, it's an honor. It's a privilege. Oh, it's uh, I'm humbled that the coaches and the, and the administration, you know, invites me to come. So the last eight weeks, mm-hmm. I've been recording a video for them, a video message for them to show on Sunday. And this is what I love. I didn't suggest it. Yeah. The coaches actually called me up and says, hey, Mark, we, you know, we're doing everything Zoom, so can you create a message that we can send out to the players every yeah. weekend? I'm thinking, man, that's, that's great. That's so cool. they have a heart for the gospel being shared or these messages being shared with all of the players who will tune in. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. yeah, and what you're doing is so important. I mean, the direction that you can help give these young guys, I mean, they're, they're uh, of course, very talented on the football field, uh, but they need a lot of help they other do. places. They do. Know, life you know. is life. This is the roughest season yeah. you 
well, you know, this is one of the roughest seasons of their life as far as, you know, what they'll experience. But if they can flourish in this particular time in their life, man, a job is going to be easy, (laughs) you know, for some of these guys. Well, thank you for what you do, Mark. That's, That's so important. Well, we're going to address racism today. Mark is a black man that, uh, well, you tell us how your story from, from where you came from and went through Boise State and where, to where you are now. Yeah. Well, I came here from, uh, from a junior college in Monterey, California. Grew up, uh, for the most part, in Northern California, Sacramento area. And uh, I've been here for 36 years now. And uh, I love the Treasure Valley. I love the, the, the culture that's here in the Treasure Valley. People are genuinely hospitable, you know, um, good natured for the most part, Uh, you know, do we have issues? We got issues everywhere. But one of the things that I think is a testimony to the the heartbeat of this community is that people are flocking to get here. They're not trying to leave here to get to other places. People are flocking to to, to get here. And I think that's been uh, so impactful um, for me personally, as a as a as an as African American, but for all of the people who actually come in and actually get to experience, you mm-hmm. know, the culture that is the Treasure Valley. So my journey has been, you know, it's been kind of up and down. But the one thing yeah. that has been consistent through it all is I've been able to try to be a, an influence, a yeah. positive influence. And everything I do, you know, for the last twenty five years has been gospel. Based, you know, and so it's been centered around the love of Jesus and sharing the love of Jesus and living a life that testifies to the reality of the power of the gospel. Yeah, living living for Him. That's what your license plate says. What my license plate says. Hey, it helps me not speed, (laughs) right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, ah, you can't be driving fast down the road with that license plate. So you give a bad (laughs) testimony about Christians. (laughs) Uh, That's good. That's good. Well. Uh, we're going to address a, a delicate topic. Uh, some people may not yeah, feel comfortable speaking about it, but uh, both Mark and I feel strongly that we need to we need to address it. We need to speak up. And um, I'm going to read a statement to start us off today, just to kind of get us out of the blocks. And so, right now, there is a pain deeply etched in the soul of our nation and in the hearts of millions. To stand together, we must stand up for one another and recognize the fear, the hurt, the outrage rightly provoked by the senseless killing of George Floyd and a much longer history of racism. That painful past is still present today, not only in the form of violence, but in the everyday experience of deeply rooted discrimination. We see it in our criminal justice system, in the disappropriate uh, disappropriate, uh, toll on black and brown communities, in the inequalities in neighborhood services, and in the educations of our children that our children receive. While our laws have changed, the reality is that their protections are still not universally applied. We've seen progress since the America I grew up in, but it similarly is uh, similarly true that communities of color continue to endure discrimination and trauma. I have heard so many that feel afraid, afraid in your communities, afraid uh, in your daily lives, and most cruelly of all, afraid in your own skin. Uh, Not necessarily here in Boise so much, but around the country, I think there's different levels. Um, We can have no society worth celebrating unless we guarantee freedom from fear or every person who gives this country their love, labor, and life. Well, that's just kind of a kickstart, Mark, to what we want to cover today. And I want you to speak to it from your heart as to where you see uh, where we are, what we what we need, what we must do. Talk to us. Okay. 
Well, you know, I, I believe that the Bible is clear that racism is a sin. Yes. I mean, it, it's sin, what, regardless of how we experience, whether, you know, we're not in Atlanta or we're not in Mississippi or we're not in M- Minneapolis or these places where racism is being overtly displayed. Um, it's, it's everywhere. If we right. can um, admit to the fact that there's denominational prejudice within the church, we have to admit that there's racism within the church. There's racism in our community. And um, I was reading, I love this, uh, Dr. Tony Evans yes. um, uh, wrote a book called Oneness Embrace. And this is what he says. He says, the racial problem in America is the asterisk on an otherwise respectable reputation, whether manifesting itself overtly in conflicts between different racial and cultural groups or simply lurking below the surface as a suspicion, camouflaging the true depth of the problem, it continues to be the one dominant area of our failure as a nation. He goes on to say that in spite of our successes in science and education and medicine and technology, becoming truly one nation under God continues to elude us. Mm. And, you know, I truly believe this, that this is a matter of the heart. The Bible in Matthew 12 says, out of the abundance of the heart, or from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you have uh, actions uh, displayed or manifest through racism, when you have words that come out of your mouth that aren't uh, kind or friendly or um, helpful to people of of color or minorities, whatever it happens to be. I think that is a heart issue. And there's no legislation that's going to be passed that can actually change the heart. And I think trying to politicize this issue, it's it's not going to work because politics, you you can't legislate morality. You can't um, um, police morality. It's really an issue of the heart. And I think that's where the church has kind of fallen short because this is an issue that we need to address, but we need to address it with the love of God. We need to address it with the grace of God. We need to address it the way that God addressed it, and it's sin. And I don't think that God ever called for the government to lead the way in our country. I mean, if I go back to the beginning of the book, it started with the family, and then the family influenced society. And so I think that we have an opportunity as Christians, as believers, to change the narrative. And, you know, I know it's a lot, it's hard because, so for me as a, uh, as an African-American man, I'll come across people who maybe were prejudiced. You know, if you go to some of these smaller towns mm-hmm. and there's no black people that they've ever experienced right. and people have had, you know, attitudes or opinions, they'll be like, oh, I just want to repent to you because da, 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 I didn't like this guy or I didn't like black people 20 years ago. And for me, it's hard to receive because I'm like, I haven't experienced it. Mm-hmm. You didn't discriminate against me. I mean, directly, but I know that I have to stand in the gap because somebody wants to repent. Somebody wants to share their feelings. So whether I can comprehend it, whether I've experienced it or not, I have to be that person who kind of helps kind of comfort them and helps them move past whatever issues they're actually having. And I think vice versa. There might be people that I have that are, you know, white Americans that they've never displayed an act of racism. But at the same time, if other white Americans have, they have to acknowledge that and be like, you know what, I'm, I'm just hear me. Just listen to me. You don't sure. have to have an answer because we know that the answer is the love of God. The answer is not a law that's going to be passed. The answer is not, you know, um, some type of policing that's going to be passed. The answer is and always has been and always will be the love of Christ. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, I think the question that resonates in so many minds uh, today um, is what can we do? What can we do? 
you know, we, we want to do something, but what can we do? Yeah. Speak to that. And I think acknowledging the problem and listening to the problem. And the one thing that I, I think that some people think that racism is new in our it, or that it's gone away. You know, once uh, black people got the right to vote, you know, in the 60s or mm-hmm. once slavery ended or once the Jim Crow laws, you know, right, ended. Right. But it's not. I, I love what President Lyndon Baines Johnson said, and I'm, I'm probably going to misquote it, but it gives you the story. He says, so if I if I we're both in a race, you and I are both in a race mm-hmm. and you get a 200 yard or 200 meter head start and then you let me start the race. The race is never going to be fair because you've got a 200-yard head start on me. So the only way that the race is ever going to be fair is if you either stop running and give me a chance to catch up or if you put me in a golf cart or some type of vehicle and allow me to get to the same place where you've gotten to. And I think what America thinks they've done, it's like, okay, you didn't let black people vote. You didn't let black people do this. You didn't. So it was a fair, it was an unfair start. Mm -hmm. So just because you give me the ability to run the race doesn't mean it's ever going to be a fair race because you've never given me the ability to catch up. And again, you've got a a generation who's never experienced, both black and white, who's never experienced slavery. They've never experienced, you know, uh, like how it was in the deep South in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. But protests have been going on for all of this time because there's been anger, there's been hurt, there's been disappointment. And, you know, I think that a lot of, I, I don't agree with rioting, things like that. I do, sure. you know, let, let's protest, let's pray, let's get yeah. together. Because I believe praying moves the meter more right. than arguing moves the meter. That's just, you oh, know, the yeah. Bible in yeah. me. Or, That's or Jesus. Rioting, or yeah. rioting or destruction. That's Jesus in me. Yeah. But what I've come to process during this time, watching the news, watching things, mm-hmm. is that um, out of the five steps of grief, anger is one of those yeah. steps. Yeah. And I think that you might see the um you you've seen the hurt and you've seen you know the depression you've seen people isolate themselves you've seen people move on yeah. you know okay we we accept that this grief is our grief and we move on but i think you're seeing a lot of anger manifest in people's lives because of what we've seen on the news for the yeah. last 5 6 years the i media, mean the media is one of our biggest problems yeah. and it is and what i what i what what is interesting so you think about so like oppression racism lynchings, those things have been going on. And, you know, like I said, where we live, we don't experience it like it's experienced in the South and things like that. But you have to ask yourself, man, what if there was no cell phone video ever? There's things that are going on that you would have never known were going on, and it just would have been folklore. It just would have just been a story. So now I think what the cell phone video and the good portion of and I don't want to say the media, but like I said, you have evidence of yes. these types of things that are going on. Now we're forced to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have an example or experience that, that I got to share with you. you so bet. we have a lot of police officers at our fr- at our church, and you know mm-hmm. I, I love our guys in blue. And so one day I was jogging, um, you know, around my neighborhood down down Victory Road, and I saw the police guy, you know, go past me one way, and then I just noticed out of my peripheral vision his lights came on and he flipped around. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just jogging and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, what in the world is going on? And for a moment there was fear mm. because I'm thinking, well, what did I do? And then I'm like, well, I didn't do anything. Yeah. So now I went from fear to embarrassment because I'm thinking, oh, my neighbors are going to see the police pull me over oh, wow. and think that something took place. And so I kind of stop, and the policeman gets 
gets out of the car, and he's actually a friend of mine. And so then he gives me a big hug. He's like, Mark, how you doing? Da, da. I'm thinking, I just went through this whole range of emotions because yeah. the policeman actually turned around. And one of the things, and this is what I love about our valley, I don't know any place else where a policeman is going to turn yeah. around because he sees you jogging and get out and give you a hug yeah, and be like, absolutely. how you doing? So I love that about our community. But on the flip side, the reality is we still have issues, again, yeah. because it's a heart issue. And I think that we're forced to check our hearts in this particular season that we find ourselves in. But for the church, we're forced to check what we really believe, you know, because the Bible says weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. And right now there's a culture and a community that's weeping. And so to dismiss it because some people are writing or acting out, um, you can't dismiss it. It has to be dealt with. It has to be talked about. And it has to be addressed. And like I said, even, you know, you're asking, what can we do? Even if you can't make any changes, and we can't, none yeah. of, you know, you and I, we don't right, do anything right. with legislation. We can pray. We can address it. We can create space for a conversation to take place because, you know, I I think people just want to be heard sure. and, and, and acknowledge that, hey, this is the problem, you know. Yeah, and we can love. You can love. We can love people. Love well. And I love yeah. what you say about, you know, the answer or what can we do is that we can we can love people. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, talk to this, Mark, um, how love trumps anger and hate. Yeah. Well, the thing that kept us separated from God was sin. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible says, for God so loved the world that right. he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. Yeah. You know, we know the scripture. So where love covers a multitude of sin, God has given us an answer as a people of how to deal with the injustice, how to deal with the inequality, how to deal with the prejudice. I mean, and you go back to the to the New Testament, the Fer- not the Pharisees, but the, the Samaritans and the Jews or the Gentiles, they did not love each other. And Jesus came and he changed the narrative mm-hmm. and he just didn't talk about love. He exampled it with yeah. the things that he did. And so we can't just talk about love because if you tell me you love me, but you don't listen to me, I got to question your love. You know, right. that's not the type of love that I'm looking for. If you tell me love me and you never do anything for me in the right. sense of what's going to actually help me receive that and move forward in my life, I'm questioning that love. And we throw the word out quite a bit, but mm-hmm. I, I do. I genuinely love and probably because of my life experiences. I mean, I was adopted at five days old, and my mom and dad, they spent, I mean, countless hours, years, just trying to express to me, hey, we, we love you, we chose you, we came and got you. And that example to me, the unconditional love of God, because, I mean, they beat that into me to the point to where, man, I thought I was the golden child. I was yeah. special because, you know, <laughs> hey, you guys, they came and got me. The rest of you were product right. of marriage. But with that, it showed me the unconditional love of God. And I think if we could show people the unconditional love of God. Yeah, I know you don't have the viewpoint that I have, but you know what? I love you anyway, and we can agree to disagree, because the reality is, in every marriage, there's disagreement. I mean, or there's two different opinions. I'm thinking, well, I don't stop serving my wife, or I don't stop ministering to my wife, or I don't stop loving my wife, because I don't, you know, she likes Mexican food, and I like Chinese food. I mean, you know, we don't do that. And so in all of our relationships, you know, to be one nation under God, it's in our Pledge of Allegiance, but that's one thing that has eluded us as a body of Christ. We are not one nation under God. And, you know, I can't speak to society in general because society doesn't have the same rules. Um, 
if you want to call it that, rules and regulations that we have as Christians. So they don't have the same mandate, but the Bible tells yeah. us to love. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love is not selfish. Love is not boastful. Love is not envious. If you look at all of the things that the Bible talks about in Corinthians 13, you see what God says love is. And so if my actions don't example that scripture, I have to question, am I really loving my brother? Am I really loving my sister? And so so my definition, um, love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. That's what love is. It's an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. I don't have to agree with you to love you because it's a commandment. I mean, I choose to obey that command to love or not. And so if we, as the church, could just love our neighbors. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bible says, as you love yourself. I mean, we could go all throughout the Bible where love is the greatest command. Jesus shut all that stuff down. He said, love God, love people. And that you'll win. And so if we could start seeing that first in the church, the church, I believe, the the body of Christ is supposed to lead the way. And for too long, you know, there's things in church and now it sounds like I'm picking on the church. I can't pick on the church because I'm the church, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but it's like we we don't talk about things that need to be talked about. Uh, That'll be okay. But then when everything goes, you know, haywire, we're like, ah, I'm thinking that was our responsibility. Mm -hmm. The school's not supposed to educate my child on moral things. That's my responsibility as a dad and as a believer. And I think we've kind of We've kind of dropped the ball as the body of Christ in a sense. And so now, particularly for us as Christians, we have to pick that ball up. And it's not going to be comfortable. No. It's not going to be easy. No. Um, But you know what? Nothing worth it really is. Jesus was not comfortable on the cross, and he didn't expect us to be comfortable. But he did expect us by his grace and by his power and his strength to actually lead the way. Yeah, lead the way. Well... I can recall my 30 years as college football coach. Why uh, many minorities that you know that I recruited and coached uh, along the way, and we became family. Yeah. I mean, we, you become family. I mean, I've gone to their weddings, I've spoken at their funerals, yeah. but we're family, yeah. and that's what we need to have. We do that that family feeling, the culture, you know, and the culture of a nation. I believe depends upon the character of the people. Absolutely, yeah, and that's that's where we're we're hung up. Yeah, and it's 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 a major major issue, but I think love is is obviously going to be uh, in the church leading the way yeah. is going to be a big part of it. Yeah, and we're 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 multi. People say, you know, with the church, oh, we have a multicultural church, and I'm like, we don't have a multicultural church. We have a multi-ethnic church. We have different right. ethnicities that exist inside the church, but we're not multicultural because we don't celebrate the the cultures of everybody that's in there. We don't weep with those who are weeping. We don't, you know, it's and so using that term, it's a yeah. good catchphrase. But I'm thinking, yeah, I understand what it really is, and this is what I love about the vessel of sports. You know, I'm thinking about our guys in the yep. football program and. I know Coach Arsh is like, man, I just need to get my guys back into the building. I need to get them back into the building. There's all these things that are going on, but I need them here. Because in that environment, you really get to see the soul of a man or the character of a man, not just the color of a man. When you, you know, just like in war, I've never been in, 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 in the military in war, but you know, I've heard people like when you're in the foxhole, you don't care what color that guy is. You just want to know that he's on your side, that he loves you. And so what I love about 
what sports provides for some of these young men and even young women is they can get into a, an environment where they can actually experience the character of a person, experience the soul of a person or the heart of a person, and then that helps break down the stereotypes. Yeah. Because if you never get you know, face-to-face, have those conversations, you j- it's just what we see. Well, yeah. okay, everybody who's, you know, mad about racism is violent. <laughs> no, no, they're not. You know, everybody who's angry about racism is angry, but it's yeah. manifest in different ways. And so the more we can have those opportunities, the better off we can be. Yeah. And church should be that place. Yeah. We should be able to come into the church building and not be segregated and, you know, by the color of our skin or the attitude right. of our heart right. as well. Right. So right. that's where we've got to step right. up. But well, we've got just a, a little over a minute left, Mark, and I want you to address this one last topic because I think it's an important one. Um, I've heard this said that race is not about color because we're all of one blood. It's not about color so much as it is about blood. We're all of one blood. How would you speak to that? Well, I, I think it's it, it, it's about color because that's what people see. Well, that's what yeah. they see. And yeah. you and again, you're dealing with you're trying to balance what the Bible says, the commandment or the mm-hmm. di- directive to Christians versus the world. The Bible says we are in the world, but we're not of oh, the but, world, and mm-hmm. so we're supposed to process differently. But when the church looks like what the world looks like concerning racism, yeah. concerning color. So we say, oh, that's a black church. Oh, that's a white church. Or that's yeah. a Hispanic church. Yeah. I'm thinking, it's a church yeah. with black people or a church right. with white people right. or a church with Hispanic people. And so I think even we don't understand the words that are coming out of our how, out of our mouth, how they are dividing sometimes. You know, oh, we sing a black gospel song. We sing a contemporary white Christian song. Yeah. It's a Christian song. Yeah. It's a worship yeah. song. It, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. One last point real quick. Um is the media not dividing us, but are they feeding us the truth? I think the media is spinning the truth however they want it right. to. The media is terrible for us, and that's why we've got to pray. We've got to discern because everything that you see on TV, I mean, images, you see the images, and so you can't deny the images. The spin yeah. on the images or the spin on the story, I think, is what yeah. gets people divided. Because even yeah. with George Floyd, if you saw what happened if you have any ounce of humanity in yeah. you, you're mad. Yeah. You're disgusted. Right. Yeah. So are we being deceived, Mark? Yes, we're being deceived. Okay. But but the enemy comes to steal, That's right. to kill, right. and destroy. And I think in the church, I know we got to go, I think in the church, we look so much to the kill yeah. that we don't pay attention to how the enemy is stealing our unity, yeah. how he's stealing our joy, how he's destroying right. the fabric or the foundation of the church. Well, well I'm still alive. I'm going to make it to heaven. It's like, but you lost your joy. You lost yeah. your love. You yeah. lost your peace. So we've got to be mindful of all yeah. of those things. And the enemy will show up through the media yeah. Yeah. and to try to get us divided. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark Thornton, once again, thank you so much for being a guest on Game Plan for Life. God bless you and all the work you're doing. God bless you, Coach. Thanks for having me. Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Hollingshead Eye Center, see the difference experience makes. For more information, 208-336-8700. Christian Brothers Automotive, Security Gold and Silver, a reliable source for your bullion investment. Domino's, oh yes we did. Rocket Express Car Wash, it's a blast. Diamond Heating and Cooling, Boise Prostodontics, and Hoffman Auto Body. Hoffman Auto Body, someone you can trust. Thank you for listening to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. 
This is Carolyn Holly inviting you to listen at this same time on this same station next Saturday as Skip and his guests go over the game plan for life. Have a great weekend. And remember, no game plan, no victory.